0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 236 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with. Kitty, kitty, kitty. I remember to stop for the cat this time. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs>
2: I'm impressed you remembered to stop for the cat this time. So yeah, that's a that's a good positive note to begin the podcast on. I'm really tired. How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm very well, thanks. As I said before, I I was going to clip a bit of "I Can't Get No Sleep" from Faithless to go on there, but I decided against it. So kindness
2: or laziness, we'll never know. (laughs) Well,
0: exactly, maybe a bit of both. So yes, how, how is your insomnia brain coping this morning?
2: It's fine. I don't know where I am. I've forgotten my name and uh, my birthday. But other than that, it's it's, it's completely fine.
0: <laughs> I've just realised I am wearing an Insomnia Fifty Six t-shirt for you. interviews
2: <laughs> That's uh, yeah. I'm bling a facial expression. You'll be glad there's no video on this podcast. <laughs>
0: various hand gestures going on as well I suspect
2: Um, yeah all completely polite they'd live long and prosper that's what it is
0: (laughs) I'm I'm sure yes yes
2: absolutely (laughs) so
0: what have you been up to other than not sleeping board games yes yes I watched your stream last night that's a hellishly complicated board game you seem to be playing Uh,
2: which one well the captain is dead which is the first one we played um, by AEG that one's it looks complicated but when you're actually in it it isn't actually that bad it's kind of it makes a lot of sense when you're playing it that's basically Star Trek a board game um, but not Uh, it's called a jump core not a a warp drive and things like that but it is very similar to a generic episode of Star Trek Uh, the captain is dead as the title implies and you all take on a different role within the crew Um, an engineer a um, a hologram a scientist and a security officer so on and so forth and within each category there's sub characters and everyone has different pluses and minuses tactics wise uh, abilities and things they can do and uh, there's a lot of replayability in that game it's set slightly too hard it is not an easy game. Uh, mm. We died on all three goes and we were playing <laughs> with different characters, with different numbers of players and um yeah, it still kept dying. We kept repairing the torpedo tubes only to have them break again and then uh yeah, not being able to destroy the alien warships that were off the starboard bow. um it's it's clever. It's well put together, and it uses a lot of terminology that that makes sense and will be very familiar to people. um it's it's good fun. I recommend it. I think of the two games we played, that would be the one I might pick up for myself at some point. Um, right. It's just very, very entertaining. and um it's a mixture of if you actually want to win the game you need to properly be talking tactics and things, but it's also quite fun to play even when you all die horribly. (laughs) (laughs) Which we did. (laughs) Okay, yes. We needed a soundboard, though, because at the right, end of everyone's yeah. turn, there's an alert and a new card is pulled out, which could damage a system or put another alien spaceship there or make some aliens appear on a particular area of the ship or blow up something. And uh, right. we really wanted a soundboard with Star Trek sound effects. We were listening to Star Trek soundtracks. I said that before. Star Trek soundtracks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear God, I cannot speak. <laughs> and uh, But we wanted a soundboard so that every time we fired a torpedo or an alert sounded or something... I I think that's the, yeah. They need to do an expansion that includes some kind of sound effects board. It was good, good, silly fun. I think that would have added another dimension to the uh, to the experience.
0: Yes, yes. I think that sounds like a very good idea. Of course, you can get Star Trek sound boards all over the internet. So I mean, you just need to set one up. I'm sure you can get them on your phone as well. So yeah, yeah maybe but it's just that that they note.
2: wanted a specific one for their own you yeah, know, yeah game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's of course not Star Trek. Um, yes, <laughs>
0: yes, yes. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they could put out an app with it. That would be quite a good thing to do
2: yeah phone app that's that's a good call and much cheaper um mm. i vote with what you say but it was it was fun and it's a, a nice well put together game the graphics and are, are, are nice the the experience was fun it was pretty clear once you got going how to play and so forth and i, I thought that one was was really good i of course because of it's it, it's a game on a spaceship so it's in my wheelhouse
0: yes are there um, spaceships yes yes <laughs>
2: you're in a spaceship yes is it on fire mostly um <laughs> so it's very much in my it's area. Like they
0: designed it for you yeah
2: it, it very much did feel like that um but because you've got the different characters with different abilities and they're in different departments and because it's a completely cooperative game you're just working together to try and keep the ship in one one piece and repair your jump drive enough to escape um right. and that's a difficulty level thing too so, your shields go down by 10% each time you get hit by something, and um, you're trying to repair the jump drive by so many stages in order to engage mm-hmm, see what they did there, <laughs> and uh, win the game. So, you can set the difficulty of the game by deciding how damaged the jump drive is.
0: I so see. Okay, there's a yeah. lot
2: of different ways to play it, um, and the characters all have very different abilities and things like that. So,. Yeah, I was impressed with the the replayability factor of that one. Hmm. Um, the other one we played, which I showed some pictures of on the stream, was called Detective City of Angels. I don't right. know if you saw that one. Um, no, I is, missed that one. It's it's beautiful. Um, it's, it's by Van Ryder Games. Both of these were Kickstarter games that my friend had backed and uh, we were trying them both out for the first time on our board game evening. Detective City of Angels, less replayability because you're solving cases and once you know the answer, you know the answer. Yeah, yeah. But you can buy more cases for the game and some of them are very, very involved and it's film noir in board game form. Yeah. Uh, and everything, like your notebooks look like, they say detective case notes on them and they're designed to look like old notebooks and um, there's all the characters Character art is all kind of like really old fashioned. It looks like it's all off the cover of old murder mystery books. Um, Everything comes in like little packages. So each case comes in a little case files pack and you, you open it up and find all the characters and things in there. Um, Really, really, really beautiful game. Um, Slightly less in my wheelhouse because obviously being set in the sort of thirties or whatever, it doesn't have a spaceship in it. Um, (laughs) But nevertheless, for anyone who's into the old detective dramas and they like that kind of some it's somewhere between murder, a mystery and cluedo
0: right yeah because you're
2: trying to solve the case you can do so as a group collaboratively or against each other as the different detectives exploring the city you're uncovering clues you're finding evidence you can bribe people in order to see the evidence they've seen and you can yeah the characters can because you have a a games master one person is playing as the game and um they can choose if the character lies to you or not when you ask them questions about things and right yeah so quite intricate and and i can imagine we played the simplest case we were all quite tired uh but we played the simplest case sort of starting at 1am and it took us quite a while i did not solve the case <laughs> um, and uh the the more complicated ones look like there's hours of gameplay in it mm. and you can there is even a version of the rules where you can play the game on your own where you roll to see what the game passes you back as answers and things like that right okay so yeah i recommend looking at that just you know for the artwork and things if nothing else if you're into into things that are very film noir and not very spaceship filled it's definitely one to check out
0: i have one which again took its inspiration from movies but it, it was those sort of you know 60s 70s zombie horror films Mm. Um, so, so the, those sort of classic where you had, um, I can't remember the name of the game, but you, you had the classic sort of archetypes of, uh, you know, the jock, the cheerleader, the sort of grizzled old veteran, um, the, the monster hunter, you know, it got those and each person takes one or two characters and you can have somebody controlling the zombie hordes. So, yeah. Uh, and, and the, the board for that was made out of five or six pieces that clicked together like a big jigsaw puzzle so you could you could alter the layout of how the board was and you know there were there were kind of places you could go like houses and stuff you could go and find weapons and there were you know it, sometimes it was like a farm or it might be that there's there's a drive through with a sort of theatre and that sort of stuff uh, and the object was that you had had to sort of escape the zombie horde essentially and get to an outpoint, which was like something like a car or a particular exit or you know th- that sort of thing um, yeah. some really inventive ideas out there for these sort of board games board games have come yeah. on a lot Sounds from a bit the lovely like, um, days
2: Zombies uh, with exclamation marks which is the, right, the one yeah. of the most famous zombie board games where uh, every time you get to the edge of a tile you put another tile and the whole game is a massive pack of different tiles and you can buy expansions which are old abandoned chemical plants oh and old abandoned schools and malls and stuff like that and keep building an entire city with that one mm. so the game is different each time because you can build a completely different map depending on what pieces you happen to pull and what expansions you happen to have and they have like a zombie dog expansion set which is my favorite obviously <laughs> oh, uh, the hordes of zombie dogs uh, i can't remember which expansion that comes with um and that one you can just keep building a giant city and that has all the tropes of um yeah being stuck in a mall or being stuck in like zombie cheerleaders in a school or stuff like that, and that's good fun and we usually play we do some house rules on that one right where if you die in because you can perma die in that game and since the entire game with all the expansions can take several days to play if you've got all the expansions we usually play a rule that every every character who's died becomes a zombie but they're like a special zombie and then you control the zombie horde right yeah so you get more and more players, the way we play the game, controlling the zombies. So when something rolls and you need to move so many zombies towards so many players, but not all the players, the people that are dead, depending on if you worked and helped them out or if you left <laughs> them to die horribly, may direct their zombie hordes towards you rather nice. than random players, um, yeah. which gave a whole another level of tactics. Um, yeah. And that game is where you're trying to get to a helicopter. Um, right, yeah. The best time I ever won that game. One, <laughs> well, the only times I've ever won that game. We'd played the entire game cooperatively mm. and got to the bit with the helicopter and I did a quick bit of maths on how many zombies were going to spawn on the helicopter spot because you've got to clear it to get in the helicopter and realised if I waited the extra turn for my teammates we might not make it into the helicopter (laughs) so you left everybody much to one of my friends shock and horror she said so you're waiting another you wait for us we'll be there in one turn and I just looked at her and went the math says no and got in the helicopter and uh, yeah I think I'm lucky I've still got a friend
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty pretty harsh remind me never to be stuck in a zombie apocalypse with (laughs) you
2: (laughs) well you wouldn't be stuck in the zombie apocalypse with me very long no
0: No, thanks yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a mercy kill it's fine think Uh of
2: the greater good something Uh something something something. the greater greater good
0: the greater good being me being a zombie and you being alive i see so
2: anyway picard was good right
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. So, um, I mean, have you watched any other TV? Is there any other TV you want to talk about? Or are we just talking about Picard now?
2: There's other TV other than Picard right now?
0: <laughs> I know, I know. I So, yeah, um, obviously we saw it at the premiere, but we couldn't talk about it because it wasn't out on TV. We can now talk about the first episode. So warning, there will probably be spoilers for the first episode coming up. If you haven't seen Picard yet, certainly what are you doing with your life? Go watch it. Uh, but yes, Picard. So what did you think? I really...
2: Really, really liked it. I I, I thought it's a really good setup, and I like like one of the things I keep saying to people is I really like the fact the reveal of at least some information as to who this mysterious girl is is not an end of series cliffhanger. No, no, get information in the first. Episode. It isn't just one of those series that's gonna drag you along for a reveal and they'll probably get canned before they get there, kind of thing. Yeah, it is actually a main plot point, not just a hook.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is very serious plot point about who that girl is, and it's the surprising sort of turn that takes given that they've been talking about that character. It's like, who's this girl going to be playing? And like, oh, right, okay. She's not around for that long. Uh, so yeah, although the actresses because there is another one so uh, yeah it's a really interesting place they take that to and and it's one of those things they've actually said you know as they said at the premiere we wanted to show you the first three episodes and they've said since then the reason for that is because they see that as kind of the opening arc is those first three episodes before they've fully introduced everybody and you get a full idea of where the story is going properly so that's why they wanted to show us the first three episodes but at their premiere but CBS said no so uh, we only got to see the first one but I really wish they'd released a couple at a time because I desperately want to see where they're going next that,
2: Yeah, the, the, the good thing about going to a premiere is that's amazing and awesome and I've basically been doing nothing but showing off about that ever since. <laughs> the bad thing is that you've got to wait that extra week because you had to wait till the first one was out, and now we're waiting a week till the next one's out. I prefer series to be dropped in one go. Yeah, personally, I think binge watching is now how people watch things, mm. and one of the reason people like on demand is because they can do that. So the weekly release schedule, like, has become something that's now. As so I often wait until a series is done and then watch it. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing that with Picard because I Ye- I I need to know. Yes. Um, but for the most part I, yeah, I prefer it just the series to be dropped all in one go. Um, so it's it's a little bit frustrating to have to wait and then we've got that extra week and i'm not best known for my patients anyway mm. so yeah I, I i've tried to fill the time waiting in with showing off about the fact i got to see it first
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i mean it was uh really enjoyable that first episode uh, mm. uh they've it's funny because a lot of the people that were there promoting it and we interviewed on the red carpet don't show up in that first episode actually i mean it's, it's not until i'm guessing the next episode we see quite a lot of the characters you know most of that first episode is about deja and picard himself and sort of introducing you back into the world and where he is now and that sort of stuff why he's not in starfleet which we already knew i thought that was quite interesting as a sort of setup but it really is a setup and you don't get to see the further bits of where they're going with that story it drops a lot of really interesting things like what's happened with the Romulans how it times into the movie franchise why is there a Borg cube there you know all that sort of stuff there's some very interesting things in that first episode but it is very much all set up and I want to see more of the actual story at now <laughs> so
2: yeah I think they balanced and paced it quite well because yes. we have got a lot of this world building to bring people back into the world. I'm trying to like look at it objectively and think how, how easy it is to enter if you haven't watched any Star Trek before and I think they give you enough information that you could but I suspect most people watching it will be aware yeah. of a lot of the things already um, so they don't, you know, it's probably okay that they don't need to explain who the Romulans are but they do explain how the situation is all set up so there's enough information there but because they give us a massive piece of plot reveal and an explosion and things, you also are getting enough Story to feel satisfied from the first episode that way, and it's yeah. first episodes of series is really difficult to balance that well. Mm. And uh, then they had like a nice little teasery reveal at the end of the episode for what's what's coming, what's to come, and things like that. And I was like, that works, that works well. Mm. I think that it's a really well put together yeah. episode, and definitely, I, I mean, I knew I knew I was going to like it. I'm also a massive, massive Star Trek fan, and I've watched I think I've watched every episode of every series and every movie.
0: I think I'm in the same boat. I'm a part from the original series i'm not sure i've seen every episode of the original but i've
2: probably seen them all twice for the original to be fair um, right i've and... seen a lot of
0: them but maybe not all of them but i've definitely <laughs> seen everything else
2: it's one of those things that is very close to my heart um mm. and i do i do like this i think it has enough callbacks and enough things to welcome in old fans i think people felt that discovery was too far removed yes yes Whereas this feels like partly because they've got this big time jump, but some established characters, it feels a little bit more connected and Mm. more of an evolution rather than something that's different. And it is obviously updated and it is different, but it's being made many years later. Um, Yeah, I think it's doing that balance a little bit better, I think, for fans of the original yeah. um, Next Generation and Voyager and things, compared to Discovery. Obviously, it's got some of the same writing teams and people working on both as well, so is mm. it is going to be different. But I'm liking it. I'm I'm thinking it's, it's, it's frustrating me massively that I can't see more of it yet. It's yeah, probably my yeah. only complaint, which is a good complaint to have about a series.
0: Yeah, there's an interesting point about the accessibility to people who maybe didn't know Star Trek as well, because that's something I did the first episode of uh, Matt's Matt's got a podcast uh, over on entertainment talk called Discovering Star Trek which Mm -hmm. obviously covers Discovery and he does that mainly by himself but because Picard came out I jumped on with him to do that episode as well because his starting off point was Discovery he knew bits and pieces and he'd seen the odd episode because of the fact that he's 24 and he sort of grew up in an era where Star Trek wasn't really on on TV that much so he's never been hugely directly into it and has seen odd bits and pieces but not the whole thing so that was kind of interesting to see how he took to it and i mean he really enjoyed it he thought it was really good and managed to get enough of a handle on what was going on without knowing all that stuff about the background as well so uh, yeah and i think discovery
2: is one which is so separate that there's yeah. no real barrier to entry yeah, yeah, on that yeah, one. Exactly. So it changes so much law, which is one of the things people didn't like, that um, yeah, yeah. that's got no barrier to entry. I think Picard is reasonably accessible. And I think all the things that are callbacks and that have the little Easter eggs, the little one-liners, I mean, we get to hear the line Earl oh, Grey decaf
1: yes um, which is if great if you don't
2: know why that's hysterical it doesn't break the episode yeah um, these are all there are there are things that are definitely in there to please fans of the original but they're they're not put in in a way which breaks the experience if you don't know why that line is amusing and the person next to you is giggling yeah um, and I'm interested to see how they keep that balance going forward because obviously they are going to introduce more characters who are known to fans yeah Um. so it's gonna be interesting to see how they they do that because it's obviously quite tempting to just like put seven of on the screen give it 3 seconds to so everyone cuz go oh my god <laughs> um <laughs> But obviously there are people who need explaining who that character is and why, because she's obviously going to be so different as we spoke to her about on the the, re- the red carpet or the white carpet, as it was strangely, talking to her and like how characters going to have evolved and changed so much and how they're going to handle putting enough hints and explanation in as to what she used to be mm. to make who she is now and the difference relevant to people that haven't seen so much of the older series is
0: because
1: yeah.
2: I can imagine some people watch the whole of Next Gen, but didn't necessarily watch
0: yeah, very true. There will be people out there that have done that. And, you know, it's like mm. some people avoided Deep Space Nine because they was like, oh, it's all stuck in one place. Despite the fact that he's a brilliant and probably the best of those TV series. It's I know my
2: favourite track it, it, it,
0: Absolutely, it is mine as well. But I think initially some people didn't get into that because of the fact that it wasn't set on a ship. So there were some people that avoided it and have maybe gone back to it since. But there are things like that. So some people may have seen Next Gen and not not seen some of the others so um, I and obviously
2: having a a hint at Borg tech and things like that Mm. means a huge amount to Picard obviously with his experiences next generation and obviously to Seven that's going to have a huge impact on her as well so yeah it's just how they ground and how they explain those things and satisfy old and newcomers to the series but so far they seem to be doing a really good job
0: yeah I'm so looking forward to seeing more of that and uh, I'm really happy that they've picked it up for another season as well because I did think this maybe was going to be a one-off but apparently it's coming back again so uh, he clearly enjoyed himself <laughs> so uh, yeah I'm looking forward to seeing more of it
2: anything else I wish there was Q in Picard and that was it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: perfectly doable we already come up maybe. with a, an explanation of how they could do that in one second so
0: maybe they should do that for the next season
2: just a small cameo I need I can't the only place to see Q can't be as Discord in Friendship is Magic the My Little Pony series <laughs> yeah, I know. Can, can I have Q in 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 my Star Trek it's easy you just, just de-age him for one shot and then he would look at Picard and go oh are we old now and then you would just yes. have him without any de-aging and he could just turn up for a bit I, I feel it might completely disrupt their subtle slow pace yes. plot to have a omnipresent god turn up
0: quite possibly um, but yes, may, yes maybe a
2: Christmas special or, or something yeah <laughs> maybe
0: a sort of one-off thing or I, I don't know it, that, that would be good I would very happily sit watch that uh, yeah. so we'll have I to watch that That's the only
2: disadvantage. That I mean, for the most part, I love series that are not episodic. I I mean, I watch both, but I I very much love having continuous plot line, even if it's underneath an episodic formula. Mm. But I think Picard is very much going for this is a single storyline. And I think one of the advantages they had before was they could just be like, there's an anomaly, let's have a weird thing and try that out for an episode. And it allowed them to be quite experimental and just throw stuff in and then at the end be like, timey me it's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they can really do that with Picard, which is probably why they have denied me Q. Yes, yeah. me personally obviously I'm taking this as a personal, yes, personal insult completely reasonably taking yes. this as a personal slight for yes. complete strangers um, but we'll <laughs> see maybe if they get another series there'll be a way to, well, to yeah. do a couple of well, episodes where he could show up
0: well there is, there is definitely a second season coming so I mean yeah. maybe you could put it in that we'll have to wait and see in terms of other things that have been out this week I finished watching New Amsterdam the medical drama also on Amazon Evere. that has got to be probably the best medical drama on TV since House and I know you don't really do these sort of things but just some of the stuff that they tackle on that show which are just things that i think a lot of dramas wouldn't go anywhere near and i like the fact that it's very much focused on the patients as well as the staff which you don't get as much in you know a lot of the medical dramas are very much focused around the lives of the doctors and the nurses and stuff and this is very much focused on the issues of the patients as well as the stuff that's going on in the lives of the doctors as well um but some of the issues that they're searching on i mean the the first nine episodes of this season are up on Amazon in the UK. Those last three episodes are really tough to watch in places. There's some really, really dark things in there, but it's brilliant. And uh, if you're going to watch one medical drama, make it that one. Uh, Doctor Who? Are you watching Doctor Who at the moment? I don't know. I'm whether...
2: really behind on Doctor Who. I was putting it to Twitter as to whether or not I should catch up again because I only watched the first couple of episodes of the last series and didn't get on with it. And then everyone's basically telling me it gets better after the point I stopped watching it. <laughs> Right. Okay. Um, which meant that obviously because it wasn't um, a one-off Christmas or New Year special it was the start of the new series that I kind of thought oh well, should I jump in at this point or do I need I, to catch up
0: I would say yes this season is infinitely better than the last season was because I, I think the last season suffered from the fact that there wasn't a, an, a big overarching story well they sort of was and they vaguely tried to tie something in at the end but it didn't really work and it wasn't like a big thing they've rather overcome Corrected, if anything, with this new one because they have a huge storyline going on behind the scenes, as in a potentially quite sort of history-altering timeline going on behind the scenes. Okay. As the the subplot running through the entire series, uh, there was a a great cameo from an old friend. This episode, I won't say any more than that because I know people won't have watched it yet. But there is there is a very interesting surprise cameo that pops up this time in the episode. That this week, which was brilliant. I mean, I thought the episode this week was superbly written. We've had a number of old faces pop up throughout the series so far, actually. But I thought this episode particular shot off in some very, very interesting directions and is kind of delving into the mythology of the Doctor a lot more than they have done with it all being kind of fun, fun surface stuff, which a lot of the episodes I think last season were. This is Mm. is getting a lot Deeper than it was before. I really enjoyed what they're doing with this. I think he's found the level that he needed to find last season, and I think he's hit it this time. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't been watching this season, I would definitely go back to it because you don't necessarily need to watch the rest of last season, but I, you could jump back in at the start of this season without any problem at all. It is definitely worth going back to this season. I think it's a huge improvement.
2: That's reassuring because I, especially of the new who, I've watched out of all of them and uh, the old series. Series I dipped in and out of yeah. um, a lot. I was scared of them at the time. Strangely enough, yes, hiding yes. behind sofas Me from Daleks too. and yes, things. Yes. But I have a great love for the old series and the bits of them I did see. And um, yeah, sort of jumped into into the new Who when that kind of all came about and was remarkably surprised by how often they would cast people I wouldn't expect at all to be good in a role and them to be utterly amazing at it. Yeah. Um, so it's always quite difficult to guess if a Doctor Who series is going to be good or not. Yeah. Um, so it yeah it's nice to hear that they're back on an, an upward trend again and I'll, I'll have to do some catching up
0: yeah yeah as I say the problem with last season I felt that that sort of overarching background story that people like Russell T Davies and even Stephen Moffat did fairly well Chris Chibnall really didn't have a handle on that last year but this year he's if anything swung way in the opposite direction but I'm fine with that I think it's a really Which is interesting weird, story
2: Torchwood had so many massive overarching plot lines yeah. that were one of the things that drew people in to the original series and that, so I would have thought that's what he would have done. Really yes, I well. don't,
0: I don't know why he didn't do that so well last time, but uh, yeah, he's definitely got an interesting source this time, and uh, you know, it's potentially quite world-altering depending what he does with it. But uh, I, I rather like that he's decided to go all out with it, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying the series so far. I think they, you know, that and last night's episode I thought was particularly strong. Sticking with space travel, Avenue Five, which is the new Amando Iannucci series, that's. Started. It's Hugh Laurie in command of a space tourism vessel where something goes horribly wrong and what was supposed to be a six week cruise potentially turns into a three year cruise with them stuck together on this ship of a group of people that really don't particularly like each other very much. It's funny. It's very Amando Inucci. I mean, the first episodes are always a little bit tricky. I want to see a bit more of it to see. See where they go with it. But I I like the character's setup. Slight spoiler for the first episode if you haven't watched it, but he did talk about this on Graham Norton. So I think I'm okay to, to mention it. Hugh Laurie, his character, it turns out he's like this American captain and he's sort of strong and in control and supposedly saved the Avenue 3 when that had a disaster. Turns out he's not particularly in control. He's basically a hired actor and he's British. They puts on the American accent because apparently people find that more calming than having a British person in charge uh, so that's the the basic kind of premise for it and the person that is actually in charge unfortunately is not around anymore so it's kind of left up to him to try and keep things calm and keep things moving despite the fact he hasn't got a clue what he's doing so um, I, yes I, I, I really enjoyed it. As I say first episode it's always a little bit difficult to judge with these sort of things but I really interested to see where else they go with that
2: yeah i need to see it it's on my list i mean it's you laurie and the fact you've now just told me there's some slight fourth wall breaking where he's an actor putting on an american accent and no one realizes is um pretty awesome as well just as a <laughs> yeah an extra thing to include I, I i need to see it it's one of those ones that is a little bit left field a little bit unusual and just a really good idea like not many people are making that kind of drama comedy type things yeah, at the moment
0: those sort of space comedies don't really come out of america you know we've got red dwarf over here, but that's sort of it so far. So I'm glad they're making it. I think it's a really interesting show. I, I just want to see a bit more of where they go. I watched the first episode of October Faction, which was this uh, the comic book adaptation we spoke about last time you were on, where we went through the description and said, well it doesn't sound that sort of monster comic booky. It sounds more like a relationship drama with a few monsters sprinkled on top. Pretty much is. I mean it, the first episode there are a few monster bits and pieces in it but it is far more about the relationship of the family and again it's one of those I don't want to judge it by one episode I want to watch a little bit more of it it's it's well acted and it's kind of interesting but the monsters are kind of an afterthought it's sort of the family business is monster hunting and it's sort of a background thing to the problems within the family so it's kind of an intriguing setup I just want to see where else they go with it it starts off with them with the father of uh, uh, one of the characters dying and they have to kind of go back to the house for the funeral and they're supposed to be there for a little bit and then go back to japan which is where they're based but things obviously don't quite go to plan so um well i want to see more of it i don't want to judge it on what episode i will watch a little bit more and and come back to you on that
2: yeah i think i'll let you go and watch a few more episodes of that and then yeah. I would decide whether or not to watch it myself based on what you think because I think if, if the whole sort of um, monster hunting and stuff is effectively set dressing and they could equally run a chip shop um, right, yeah. then I'm not sure how much I feel it actually belongs in that kind of category of saying it's a monster hunting thing if it starts becoming more relevant then possibly otherwise it has to be such a good drama that I would have watched it regardless of the genre elements
0: yeah so I don't know at the moment I'm a little bit on the fence I want to see a little bit more of it because it has potential I think I just want to see a little bit more of it before I can kind of fully judge. The other thing I watched was the live action Aladdin movie it's on Sky Cinema now so it's free so I downloaded it just to see what it was like. It's interesting I think the leads are fine. It doesn't quite have the charm of the original animation and I think it's always slightly a problem when you do those sort of musicals in live action. You can sort of get away with that in animation but I, I think it's trickier to do in live action I will say though Will Smith does a wonderful job in this. It's a really gutsy and tricky role to take on given that you are basically following Robin Williams in one of his most standout performances Will does a really good job of balancing that sort of, there's there's an homage to Robin Williams in there but he also manages to make it his own as well. It's a really well handled mix playing that genie character. It feels like it works for him it doesn't feel like it trampling over the memory of the Robin Williams version, but there are elements of it in there. So it is a bit of a homage to that, but it does also feel like it's, it's Will as well. I am just wanted to see what it was like, and out of everything in that I think, you know, the visuals are obviously stunning I think the two lead actors are fine but Will, I think, particularly had the hardest job there, and I think he did a he does a really solid performance and I think he handled it really well, and it was always going to be a tricky gig, that, but I think it's, it's very well done. At the end of the day, I don't know why this exists it's one of those things that i still think the animated version is better and i think it handles the music slightly better in the animated version but you know fine if you want to watch the live action version it is an interesting version of it so it's there if you want to see it
2: (laughs) all the british words that mean yeah it's fine it's acceptable yeah it's it's, (laughs) possible yeah no i Um, mean yeah I've not I've not seen it but I haven't been a massive fan of these live action remakes I've thought that for me personally the the Beauty and the Beast was barely watchable I didn't I didn't finish it at all I mm-hmm. thought it lost a lot of nuance and things that made the original yeah. one work and was very very flat and as you say like I'm not sure why they exist except for as a license to print yeah. money um, it would be nicer to see them do something completely different with them yeah. uh, and do a completely different story rather than just remake making but not quite but updating but not quite um which mm. is a shame because the the amount of effort and beautiful visuals and costume design and all those things are obviously completely off off the charts for beautiful visuals and things but i don't know is there a massive appetite for these that i'm just missing or is everyone pretty much saying the same thing as us which is kind of I, they're I okay
0: th- but why there is, yeah there is a, there seems to be very much a split yes there is an appetite for them because the lion king made billions so i mean that the remake of that which i mean isn't live action as such but the 3d animated remake of that made a fortune i'm not sure how aladdin and beauty and the beast did but yeah my my gut feeling is the animated versions are such classics i don't know why there is a need to do this but as i say i i think it's interesting and i particularly thought will's performance was the standout in this and it's a really solid job and does the sort of memory of robbie williams justice without trampling over anything. So yeah. you I think know.
2: that's one of the things people were most worried about. So if that's one of the things that comes out the best, then that at least says something very good about the way they've handled yeah. that aspect. Have you seen Maleficent too? Because I've not seen that one I, either.
0: I haven't. I haven't even seen the first Maleficent. I haven't watched uh, okay. those. I'm told they're very good, those movies. Because
2: they're coming from a completely different perspective yeah. and telling a very different story. I found the first one quite an interesting idea. And again, when they did the Cinderella, um, yes. that wasn't so much a remake as a, as a, Sort of different twist yes. on that as well. Um, so I think they, I think it can be done. I just yeah, I just like to see future ones being more of a divergence, so that you aren't just comparing them to the original.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that is the slight problem just generally with these live action remakes is you are directly comparing them to the original animated versions and, and you know it's like with the Lion King and with I haven't seen the remake of the Lion King so I can't completely judge that I did see some of the Beauty and the Beast and I had the same issue with that I just it loses a lot of its charm and it's the same with Aladdin I think it does lose a lot of its charm when you put it into live action but you know if they are going to do it I think the performance particularly well, was, was very good in this I, I think think this is probably a better adaptation than maybe the beauty and the beast one was um okay. but but yes uh interesting and it is up on sky cinema if you're a fan and want to go and watch it uh in terms of those those movies it does seem even though disney plus is launching there is some more news coming up about the disney plus service so uh we'll go into the tv and film news and uh, we can talk a bit more about that
1: <laughs>
0: So we kick off the TV and film news with Renault's cancellations and pickups. Uh, one of the big things that's coming, of course, is Disney Plus is launching in the UK. Originally, it was going to be right at the end of March on the 31st, I think. They're now launching it. They have moved it forward a week. So it's going to be the 24th of March. Don't know why they've moved it forward a week, but they've moved it forward a week. They've also confirmed the cost in the UK will be 5 99 or 59 99 annually. So, yeah, I mean, that seems perfectly reasonable to me. I'm going to be OK paying that, I think. Obviously, you get the Mandalorian with that. You get uh, the awesome-sounding Jeff Goldblum series, which I, I'm really looking forward to. Think sounds fabulous. They have also announced announced that the seventh and final season of the Clone Wars is going to be dropping onto Disney Plus from February the 21st. Obviously, the Disney Plus hasn't launched over here by then, but it does mean that the first few episodes will be available when it does launch, and then you'll be able to watch the rest of them weekly. So there is that as well.
2: I'm kind of torn on it it has like a very very epic back catalogue also I believe that's where a, a certain series about a certain Thunder God's brother maybe
0: yes that is the Loki series will be on there uh, which
2: is worth $5.99 <laughs> which
0: is worth uh, certainly to you that is worth $5.99 yes I am quite looking forward to that 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 does sound good uh, and you've got Falcon Winter Soldier coming this year yeah. you've got uh, Vision coming so there is going to be a lot of stuff on there and the entire back catalogue of all all the Disney stuff. We don't know exactly what's coming, but based on what they released in America, it is going to be a lot of the Disney back catalogue.
2: I think certainly for families where they're going to be all the new Disney-based cartoons and series and things as well, probably going on there as well, it's going to be very easy choice to just say, yep, here we go. We're just going to have all of that. For me, it's going to be sort of weighing up how often am I going to re-watch the back catalogue and how many of the new things do I actually want to see or do I just get it for a few months to watch the Loki series?
0: Yes. Certainly, I mean the Disney. If you've got Disney Life at the moment, I think Disney Life is getting shuttered and is turning into Disney Plus. So, if it's yeah. on Disney Life at the moment, it will be on Disney Plus. You can, I think, that's probably a given. One of the things that has come out today is it. It looks like Sky is getting very close to closing a deal to actually put the Disney Plus app onto the Sky Q box, the same way that they have the Netflix app on the Sky Q box so you could potentially get it directly through sky that doesn't stop it being you know you buying it outside sky uh, it's that's not an exclusive deal it means it it will still be available everywhere else you know on fire sticks and all that sort of thing it just means that you will be able to potentially well if this deal closes you will potentially be able to to get it directly through sky as well which you know is convenient if nothing else it looks like the sky movies the disney movies are still going to Be coming to Sky as well because they've got The Lion King premiering on Sky Cinema fairly soon. That's coming in March, and Frozen 2 is coming to the Sky Store. So there was a sort of fear that maybe we'd have to go to Disney Plus for everything. And it looks like the stuff like the films and uh, even some of the TV shows may still leak out of Disney Plus and onto the main Sky Network as well. So that relationship still seems to be fairly close in terms of the Disney Channel and that sort of thing. They're all staying on Sky as well. So we'll have to see how it all plays out in the long term but at the moment they seem to be keeping a fairly close relationship there other stuff coming to Sky on March they released a big list of things that are are coming to Sky there's Breeders which is this new series with Martin Freeman and uh, Daisy Haggard, Uh, Daisy Haggard you'll know from things like episodes and uncle, Martin Freeman of course is Martin Freeman, it's a parenting show which does look quite funny there is a trailer up for it, classic parenting paradox. It's possible in the the very same moment to love your child to the horizons of the universe, but still be angry enough to want to send them there, is the strapline for it. It does look like it's very, very funny. I love Daisy Haggard. She's hilarious, and I really like Martin Freeman, so I'm quite interested to see that. But that's called Breeders, that's coming to Sky 1. You've got Hitmen, which is Mel and Sue off the uh, Bake Off before it moved to Channel 4. Uh, They're doing their first scripted comedy together, where they play the duo of best friends Fran and Jamie who are two misfits trying to make an honest living which happens to involve contract killing so uh, yeah I mean I I have no idea what they're going to be like as actors and what that's going to be like but uh, that looks like it could be quite funny Westworld season 3 we have an actual date for that that's coming on the 16th of March at 2am simulcasting with the US Um, we've got Blue Bloods that's coming back in March Kidding season 2 that's coming to Sky Comedy so note the channel change there Bulletproof the second season of that coming to Sky 1 Babylon Berlin season 3 that's coming to Sky Atlantic uh, and uh, Sky Cinema along with those premieres for The Lion King they've got Brightburn Secret Life of Pets and Rocket Man coming to Sky Cinema the other thing they announced was two new channels which they've just announced today called Sky Documentaries and Sky Nature and we pretty much do what they say on the tin uh, the one is age going to show nature things and one's going to show documentaries they've said that they're going to things have things on the documentary channel like tiger woods the comeback the mcmillions documentary which was how somebody managed to rig the mcdonald's monopoly game which sounds absolutely fascinating there's one called after truth which is about fake news there's one called the kingmaker which was a showtime documentary uh, there's a bunch of nature documentaries extreme animals amazing animal friends which is about things like labradors that are friends with ducks and rhinos that are friends with lambs and that sort of thing uh, and there's a there's a sort of farming documentary so i mean if you like those sort of things if you like documentary series and if you like nature shows there are going to be two new dedicated channels sky documentary and sky nature coming from the spring if you want to go and find those don't know where which channel numbers they are yet or anything like that they've literally announced those today heading back onto disney plus we have the obi-wan series which we briefly mentioned last week because there were stories floating around that it had been cancelled it isn't cancelled it has apparently been delayed slightly according to Ewan McGregor who of course is playing Obi-Wan what they've said is they've delayed the shooting slightly Ewan says it's nothing to do with creative differences it's more to do with the release of Rise of Skywalker he was at a press event for Birds of Prey where he plays Black Mask and he was saying it's all BS about the creative differences stuff they've just pushed the dates basically Rise of Skywalker came out and everybody had more time to read the stuff had been written about it and yeah, you know, the stuff that they'd written and they wanted to do a bit more work I think to tie things together so they've slid the shoot which originally was supposed to be shoot this summer, it's now going to shoot January 2021. That's it. The release date is not changing. They're still planning to release it at the same time as they were previously. It's just the shooting date will change. So it means absolutely nothing in terms of audience. The director is still going to be The Mandalorian's Deborah Chow. Uh, the only slight difference is the writer, who was Hassin Amani, who uh, wrote things like The Mafia and The Alienist. Uh, it does seem that he has left the project. Which is where the creative differences story come from, but it could just be the case of they went back for rewrites and he wasn't available. Uh, we don't know exactly why he's not involved at this point. McGregor actually said that he thought the script's really good. He I saw ninety percent of the writing and really liked it. So whether they're going to take it in a completely different direction, whether these are just rewrites to tie it a bit more into stuff that happened in Rise of Skywalker, I don't know. So the shooting has been delayed, but the show actually hasn't. It's coming out at the same time. If that makes sense, I
2: think. People just there's a headline in saying anything is going wrong with anything as big as Star Wars. Yeah, I think there was a there was a lot of soon as anything is delayed or changed with a series like that, everybody is going to make headlines. Um, yeah which get clicks on that one and we won't really know because no one has seen behind the scenes of it and the fact exactly. they're not changing the release date makes me feel like it is just tweaks and, and trying to work things together a little bit more rather than a complete rewrite
0: yeah i mean that certainly seems to be what he's saying i mean we'll have to wait and see when it comes out and to be honest these sort of changes they're very very careful with the star wars things particularly after things didn't go quite as well as they wanted to do with solo they're being very careful with what they do. I I'd much rather that they were that way with Star Wars, particularly when you're dealing with original characters. It's it's entirely different matter if you're going off in any totally different direction you know if they end up setting a bunch of movies in the old republic or something like that then they can go nuts and do whatever they like pretty much there is some established history there but they can pretty much do anything whereas if you're dealing with established characters you have to be a lot more careful and that's fine i think if it's just tweaks and bits and pieces and that seems to be what they're saying it is fine i don't really care when it's shot as long as it gets released (laughs) you know that's all right (laughs) moving over on to DC bad robot is apparently in talk to develop some Justice League dark TV shows and movies this sounds like a really interesting prospect I mean bad robot obviously JJ Abram's company JJ Abrams specifically hasn't been mentioned it's bad robot that has been mentioned but, but you would assume he would have some involvement in it if you're unfamiliar with Justice League dark it was a book that was created in 2011 so it's relatively new in comic book terms they are are a team which are put together that deal with the more sort of mythical and magical elements that, that can't really be handled by the main Justice League so it was people like Constantine Swamp Things, Antana, Doctor Fate Deadman Wonder Woman actually was in the team for a bit uh, you've got people like Frankenstein Andrew Bennett from iVampire Madame Xanadu Detective Chimp Man Bat Phantom Stranger so it, it's all the kind of more mythical and stranger characters uh, that get thrown together so it's an interesting sort of group intriguing they're kind of talking about this as being a bunch of TV shows and a bunch of movies because obviously we've got some of these characters already I mean Wonder Woman has her own film obviously but I mean Constantine Matt Ryan has been playing for the last few years on TV and he's now part of Legends but has his own show originally Swamp Thing we had the sadly one season and cancelled show there uh, we had Zantana hot show up we've had Dr. Fate show up on TV before so I mean I don't know whether they would take an entirely kind of clean slate view whether you managed to rope Matt Ryan in because to many people I think at this point he is Constantine it would be nice if they could bring back the version of Swamp Thing that they cancelled from DC Universe and maybe rope that back in because I really like that version of the character and I thought they did a really good job there so we don't know at the moment but um I don't know would you like to see a a Justice League Dark Universe? I don't know is the answer
2: um it's a pretty good comic book it's not up on my top comic books I've ever read kind of less. some of the more mystical stuff is is less the area I like although I'm a big fan of Constantine and, and Zatanna I think it'd be quite difficult for them to use Matt Ryan and people like that because the CW universe is this massive complicated spaghetti junction of plots and things that don't line up with the comic books and yeah it doesn't yeah they have introduced magic into the CW stuff but I think to get the best series out of this much as I would love to see Matt Ryan back Constantine as well because I think he's a inspired choice I think he was wonderful and I was really sad that series got cancelled just as it started to actually find its feet um, I think to get the best show out of this and to get the tone correct for it they'd be better off doing it as a clean slate because it is a bit more standalone in the world of comics as you well see, rather than yeah. being interwoven
0: my feeling would be given that they've just had this big crisis event and I think there is still a multiverse I mean it's it altered things obviously that crisis event but I I think there is probably still a multiverse at the end of it maybe slightly different to the one that was there at the start of it but I, I suspect there is probably a multiverse still at the end of that if that is the case you could quite easily still use Matt Ryan not necessarily be exactly the same version that was used on Legends it could be a multiverse version of that character I don't actually have a problem with that I mean the, you've got Swamp Thing as well which again could be from somewhere else in the multiverse I know tonally it's quite different but then the shift from matt's own show uh the constantine series through to the legend series i mean tonally the shift in that was absolutely huge so i don't have an issue if they want to go to a dark series and just use matt to do it again just a much darker mm. version of constantine i'd be fine with that actually
2: i'd be interested to see if that would work and if all the companies involved would be okay with the same actor playing the same character in such a, a different way and the direction being that different. I think it would feel very separate and disjointed, and I'm not. Uh, it's a it's a weird one. It's a complicated one, but equally, I it's not one of my favorite comic book series in the world. So right, I yeah. don't have you know i haven't backed that horse um, that much so yeah i'd be interested to see how they would do would they do man bat as an actual ongoing character in a tv series like the, the cost same with swamp thing it's the cost of doing some of these characters they're very they're all very like special effects and budget heavy characters um apart from constantine you just have to have a good supply of max um, yeah, yeah. So, um, it would be yeah i'd be interested to see how they would balance the excitement the action and and those elements um, and having characters that just literally any time somebody like Mambat or Swamp Thing is on the screen, you, you're you spending money just by them existing there. So it's going to be a, an interesting one to see how they'd actually balance these things and make the series work.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is a huge roster that they can pick from. So, I mean, you could balance it by having somebody like Xantana who, you know, yes, you've got magic effects in there, but her day outfit is, is not like a huge effects thing. And I mean, they put together some really good practical makeup for Swamp thing the thing that kind of killed that series was the fact that the swamp set itself was incredibly expensive to store that was one of the things that killed that series ridiculously was the fact that the swamp set was going to cost millions for them to be able to put away in between seasons so the actual character makeup itself i don't think was as much of an issue so i mean you could do that
2: and we've seen like you know characters like detective chimp done very well in things like the umbrella academy yeah exactly it is yeah it all depends on how it's one of those things Where I look at it and go, if you do that for a movie, I can see you could just throw endless money at it. But if you yeah. do that in a series, you're having to balance things a lot more. And it, you couldn't necessarily have an episode where it was Swamp Thing and Man Bat and Detective Chimp going off on an adventure together. Yeah, so, uh, that would get very it would expensive. Be very- yeah logistics and practicality of things would be very very expensive and that would then affect how they wrote the plots but i mean i'm not saying it can't be done i'm just just wondering how they would approach it and if they then needed to also do any kind of tying into cw stuff that's another layer of complexity before they even get to start putting together their own things which is why i'm wondering if they'll just go for a this is completely and utterly separate in order to just make their own lives a bit easier so they've got a bit more creative freedom but yeah multiverses and timey wiminess, I guess, could negate a lot of that in itself.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think if you were going to use somebody like Manbat, you'd probably use him in human form quite a lot more than you would as a, in bat form, maybe. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, they, they've they not said where this might sit if they are going to do them as TV shows. I mean, movies, obviously and movies, but, um, and they've not said which characters they would kind of use if they were going to do that. But uh, I think a mix of TV and film would be an interesting way of doing it and uh, I rather suspect you wouldn't sit this on CW, you probably sit it on either DC Universe or HBO Max I would think would be where you put it, which is, I mean they've got a Green Lantern series which is coming onto HBO Max so there is precedent for doing it there and it will give them a lot more freedom to be a bit more adult and a bit more gory and that sort of mm. stuff so I think that's probably where you do it rather than trying to put it on a network TV plus it is its own universe, that kind of Arrow universe, much as I Love it. I'm not entirely sure you could fit this directly into there. But as I say, characters like Constantine, I think because we've had quite a major tonal shift before, I think you could do that again with Matt Ryan and move it. So we'll see though. Uh, at the moment, they're in talks. Uh, Bad Robot are in talks with Warner Brothers about that. It may come to nothing. I mean, we've had false starts on this before. I mean, Del Toro was supposed to be doing a film and then kind of dropped out. Doug Lyman was attached to do one. That didn't go anywhere. We have an animated feature, which had like Jason O'Mara and Matt Ryan again, Uh, Camilla Lillington, Jerry O'Connell, Rosario Dawson doing voices for it. So I I don't know. There have been, you know, it's worked in animation before, but yeah, the money and the budget is going to be interesting for that if they do go with it. Moving on over to Netflix. Uh, This was news, I think we briefly mentioned last week, but we have a bit more information on it now. Uh, Netflix has landed the streaming rights to 21 Studio Ghibli movies to premiere from February. Uh, So there's, from February 1st, you've got Castle in the Sky, My Neighbour, Uh, Torino, is that it? Is that right? Totoro, Totoro yes. Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Only yesterday, Porco Rosso, Ocean Waves, Tales from Earthsea are the first batch that are going to be coming out. And I know I don't think I've seen any of these. Uh, I obviously, I'm sure you've seen all of them at this point. So
2: <laughs> I have seen all of the Studio Ghibli films and related media and various other things. Directors from Ghibli have directed for other companies as well. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is one of my areas of interest definitely. And it's lovely to see all of these films coming over to the streaming service. So more people I mean I have them all on DVD, some of them twice, some of them also on Blu-ray. But I think it's absolutely lovely that so many of these are going to be made available for loads more people to enjoy. And I believe it was you that were saying to me the other day that they're going to be in multiple languages, multiple subtitle options and yes. so on and so forth as well.
0: You will be able to watch it with subtitles, you'll be able to watch them dubbed a variety of different languages. I can't remember exactly how many they said, but there are they are doing them in multiple languages in in both dubbed and in subtitles so there are going to be choices there however you want to watch them any particular one i w- i should go for out of that first batch
2: oh you're asking me difficult questions now um well i can just tell you a little bit about various ones if you like God. um castle in the sky is my favorite film of all time uh, it was shown once on british tv in the early 90s although it was a slightly butchered version which is different than the english language version you will see when when you watch this on netflix they'll be using the current issue not the one that was made for tv back then and that film changed my life effectively and was the reason i got into art and um and film and everything like that uh, i had it on cassette watched it weekly basically i still have that cassette um <laughs> and i've seen probably four or five different versions of it but it is an absolutely incredible film it is suitable for most ages but it does have very dark elements running through it as well to do with absolute power corrupts absolute Absolutely, And some hints at the horrors of war and greed versus people who may appear to be bad guys not actually being bad. And lots of interesting takes on that some of the good guys are pirates. Some of the (laughs) bad guys are the nobles who are supposed to be taking care of people. It's much less black and white than films of that ilk sort of fantasy type things would be Mm. um, if they were made back in the 80s by sort of American animation companies. Uh, And it's very, very beautiful. The watercolors in in any of the old ones, the backgrounds are all watercolour. and what you're looking at with Miyazaki is he used to do all of the keyframes himself it's one of the reasons he's got tendon issues in his hands is that when you watch his films he was drawing those keyframes and he was painting those backgrounds Wow! Um, so they're absolutely beautiful Uh, so Castle in the Sky is my favourite film ever (laughs) so obviously (laughs) I'm going to recommend that My Neighbour Totoro is one of the most famous ones Totoro is the icon they use for the Studio Ghibli as as their mascot and that is it is a film aimed at children it was written originally so children who lived in the city could see the countryside. Right. Um, but it is incredibly sweet, and it appeals to all ages. It's got ele- it's got elements of things that have no speech. It's very sweet, visual comedy, and incredibly, incredibly cute and adorable, and um, a very sweet, lovable film. Very, very beautiful. Kiki's delivery service is probably slightly less in, in your area it's about a witch who works as a delivery witch for right. like the bakery um, again it's very sweet and funny that one is more just kind of charming and aimed at a slightly younger audience Um is an interesting one it's about um, with no explanation whatsoever about a Italian fighter pilot who because of something he has done turns into a pig right okay <laughs> um, and all of these are set in different places Castle in the Sky is set as a, in a romanticised non-existent Europe European country. Um, <laughs> Totoro is set in Japan. Kiki's Delivery services is set, again, somewhere vaguely possibly European, but where witches are perfectly normal and you can deliver cakes on broomsticks. Right. <laughs> and Porco Rosso is set in Italy with biplanes. They're all very, very different and yeah. they all have something different to offer. And they seem to be releasing the, the schedules. They seem to be releasing a bunch from different years in each batch, which is kind of cool too. Yeah.
0: There's another batch coming on the 1st of March, another on the 1st of April. Uh, 1st of March batch includes things like Spirited Away, which is uh, probably one of the best known ones, I would say. First of April includes things like Ponyo on the Cliff by the Sea and Wind Rises. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of different things you will be able to go and watch over the next few months. 21 movies. I will try and go and watch some of those, I think, because I don't do anywhere near enough of those uh, Studio Ghibli films. So,
2: I think if you want to get a very good idea of the range of them, then Castle in the Sky, My Neighbor Totoro and- um, Nazca, the Valley of the Wind is an incredible, incredible piece of work that set in a post-apocalyptic future where there are giant insects because World War three or four has wiped everything out. right. And that that's that's one that I wouldn't show to small children though right um, although the rating on it's quite low there are scenes in it which would upset small children because it has it includes um, animals being in pain and things so that one's less right. less accessible yeah, yeah, yeah. with the small kids show them My Neighbor Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service things like The Cat Returns are, uh, are quite unusual ones which is a character from another movie having their own movie sort of as a spin-off right cool and, and I think quite a lot of people have seen How's Moving Castle as well yeah that's quite that's quite a well-known one yes it's a nice mix I hope that everything gets released eventually on, on Netflix just so that people have a chance to explore these because they're a wonderful animation studio they, they haven't included some of the uh, some of the ones that are that are more dark and difficult to watch right, they're yeah. starting off with ones which <laughs> these people in I think with some of the most famous ones as well
0: yeah so uh, they will, will be on from 1st of February for the first batch then 1st of March for the second batch and third, 1st of April for the third batch if you want to go and catch those and lastly moving back onto TV uh, the Dave channel has released some first look images for Red Dwarf, the uh, 2020 feature length special, which is coming. First image is basically the guys, uh, it's Lister Rua, the cat, and Crichton staring at something. Basically, they all there, all look a little bit older. But apart from that, uh, that's it. Uh, the second photo is slightly more interesting. It's uh, Ray Fearon, who was in Silent Witness and His Dark Materials. He's apparently playing a character called Rodon, who is the leader of the feral cats. What that means in terms of the plot, we don't know uh it's it would seem that they're focusing on some bit more into the history and the evolution of the cat species and there are feral cats out there i mean we've done bits and pieces of cat culture over the, the course of the series we've had bits of the cat religion the holy wars over the colors of the hats uh, so you've got that uh, i don't think we've seen feral cats before there so i think this is this is kind of an interesting one uh, i I'm, I'm sure you're looking forward to this as well i'm looking
2: forward to it but i'm also i am aware how difficult it is to move something that's a fairly short form you know 20 minute sitcom length thing yes into a feature length format because i've not really seen that done successfully even something like the simpsons movie sort of just felt like a very overpriced long simpsons episode it wasn't bad but they don't always have enough story for that and taking the you know, expanding on the cat species histories and maybe they catch up with one of the cat ships that were going and looking for Fuchsia yeah, and their hats and stuff could give them enough characters and enough development to make it work. I'm not really sure why they want to make it as a movie, but it is an interesting new challenge. And if they can make it work as a feature-length special, then yeah, hats off to them. And I, I will obviously be watching it.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, as will I, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody's a little nervous about this when they spread feature-length special because the last one wasn't good, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was
2: politely just pretending that one didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it would have worked. The gags would have worked if they were in a twenty-minute episode, but it didn't translate.
0: They've done incredibly well with the last couple of seasons on Dave, and mm. I, I think they've managed to find a groove again now. So I, I hope this works. I'm waiting to see, but I think that's an interesting direction if they are going to deal a bit more with the cats in it. But uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what it comes out. We don't have a date for it yet. They are shooting it, I think, at the moment, but uh, we'll see. How how it works. And that's all the news for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week on TV. We have The Stranger Season 1, which is this new and Coburn series starring Richard Armitage, uh, which looks really good. That's coming on the 30th of January. We've got Bojack Horseman returning for the second half of Season 6. That's on the 31st of January as well. Star Wars Resistance is back for the second half of the uh, final season of Season 2. That is coming on the 1st of February to Disney XD at 7.29. If you want to catch that. Snow. Snowfall has snuck in for a third season as well. That is the TV drama from Boys in the Hood director John Singleton about the 80s cocaine epidemic. That's coming from the 1st of February to BBC2 at 10.30. And then uh, we've got On Sky Comedy, which is the new channel just launched. That is Saturday Night Live, which is actually going to be on Sunday, the 2nd of February, and not live. That's at 9pm. Uh, that's going to be landing over here. So that's going to be running the day after the US. Baghdad Central, which is new new series from Channel 4 that is coming on the 3rd of February at 10pm. Six part crime drama set in Baghdad in the early 2000s based on a novel. Good Doctor returning for the second half of season 3 that's on the 4th of February at 9pm. And a brand new series The L Word Generation Q which is a continuation of The L Word catching up with some old characters and bringing some new characters that is coming to Sky Atlantic on the 4th of February at 9pm if you want to go on watch that. So so that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you want to mention no i think that was quite enough <laughs> <laughs> where can they find you in your sleep
1: adult state
2: <laughs> if people wish to find me in my sleep addled state i can be found as trista Bytes, spelled b-y-t-e-s because i thought i was being funny over on facebook twitter and instagram i also have four years worth of youtube content and i twitch stream twice a week as trista Bytes as well
0: go and check out the twitch stream it was very very funny last night when it got into a conversation about the type of sandwiches and things on sandwiches people eat yesterday. It, it, went,
2: it started off about board games and then we went down a tunnel of watching adverts for old VHS board games. And um, yeah, I don't quite know how it went off on a tangent, but I'm entirely blaming you guys. <laughs> and I, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. It's fine. Tonight we're playing Diablo three. So that will hopefully keep the conversation away from
0: sandwiches. Yes. Uh, there were some very interesting sandwich choices that came out last night. Um, so for us, Obviously, you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. Also, check out the feed. Watch out for more behind the scenes podcasts coming up later this week. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye.